So I was reading an article today about a, it was in the New Yorker, I believe, but it was referring to a study that was talking about the actual language that um, we use in addiction. And it was uh, like, I, I dirty, uh, you're, you know, dirty sample versus clean um, and, and how the language of addiction is right. hurting addicts recover, is not helping them recover because it's not the language of people and it's funny because you know we work in the business where you're always trying to say things in a different way and i've never been a fan of these uh, you know places that have their own language and they always like heighten a sense of language it's like a cult or something and they you know business has its own language and law has its own language proprietary and language in any yeah because right. it, it's exclusive it's yeah. exclusionary yeah right and so when you know the the calling people dirty uh, you know, or whatever the language of addiction is, right. all the terms that we use, which are derogatory terms, they are, mm-hmm. you know, like we're out there running and gunning or whatever it is. Right. Um, but how this study had said that that's actually not helpful and that we in addiction uh, need to <laughs> clean, clean that up and start talking about things in a more humane way. And as much as I was against all these other things, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It does make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, language is incredibly powerful yeah. in, in in adjusting your mindset regarding anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read studies about where, where, where when, I forget what it was, it's like using, well, but it's as simple as this, I'll, I'll use a different example. If you use a word, um, when, you're, when you're talking to yourself about doing something mm-hmm. or, or not doing something with regard to habits, if you use a... I do this or I don't do this, as in um, I don't drink, as opposed to I can't drink. Right. Saying I don't drink is a much more powerful way, and it legitimately changes how you, you know, behave in a given situation. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But it's funny, like the term junkies, oh, addicts. Yeah. Um, oh, well, all those pejoratives. Right. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're all pejorative. Overtly stigmatizing. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Changing language helps change the conversation. So we're now talking about a disease that has multiple ideologies and multiple treatments. It was just interesting. Well, and you know, on that tip, yeah. um, it, it, I don't think it's the same article. I think it was something that came out, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe it was a post or a comment. I'm not sure. Um, but somebody had sort of railed against the notion. Oh, yeah, it, it was around Robin Williams' uh, suicide. Uh-huh. But they were talking about his addiction um his addictions and the person was basically railing against the notion that even well into one's recovery mm-hmm. or at any point in one's recovery really yeah. that to use the notion you're battling your addictions because you know certainly for me at this point right I, i'm not battling it's not a daily battle yeah right? it's not a battle <laughs> right um you know right um and it suggests that um I don't know. I guess it, it, it 
diminishes um, our role in, you know, recovering. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, but I can see that it's easy. It's easy. I can see how that can undermine your chances of getting sober, just the use of all these terms. Yeah. Yeah. But, but specific back to your point about the, the, the words used to describe, you know, addicts. Yeah. Junk. <laughs> That's an okay word. Yeah. All, all those words. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Those are sort of Users. shaming. Yeah. They are. They're shameful. Words. Yeah. And uh, those are words that sort of put someone in a less than position. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sense is those are all words probably uh, put into use by those that aren't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, by the same token, I, I have always but been someone who that doesn't, doesn't really fall prey to words. But, you know, it's, and I think it's funny because a lot of what, you know, you and I have talked about is this concept of disease. And a lot of what recovery is, is disease. But even the idea of it being a disease is sort of a weird word, I guess, yeah. just when you think about what other diseases are. And I guess it says that it has ways you can treat it like any disease, but it's still a disease uh, in and of itself. And that piece of language is sort of interesting. And, you know, I wonder if as people study what the disease is and the biochemical reaction and the actual um, way that it operates in your brain and all this neuroscience that's coming out, um, I wonder if it's going to be less of a disease and more of something else, you know, another way to describe the process of how your, the chemicals in your brain Mm -hmm. actually work when they interact with alcohol or drugs or whatever happens up there for addicts versus normal people. Mm -hmm. There's like an actual process that happens and it'll, it will, not be called a disease at some point, or they'll find new ways to like, characterize what this thing is. More purely a, a mental scientific. health issue or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, more of a mental um, health thing. Um, it's interesting, and you know, in that same article, it talked about how creative people are more, writers especially, um, are more likely to be alcoholics. Right? Interesting. <laughs> Which is, right. it was a sort of explaining this, this relationship between being creative and being uh, an addict and just this study, you know, anecdotally six out of the 11 Nobel laureates from the U S over this last century have all been alcoholics. You're kidding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Eugene O'Neill, Ernest wow. Hemingway, yeah. uh, Sinclair Lewis, lots of them. Yeah. Um, and then just this, this study said lots of creative people index much higher in addiction, but writers, especially index higher huh. in creative people, artists, all have much higher um, bipolar. So it's not a, it's, so you think about that and you think, okay, what makes creative people creative? Hmm. The process that they go through to be creative and this thought of what makes addicts addicts, right? Right. Because creative people are always thought of as, you know, more likely to be bipolar and more likely to be a little crazy, more Hmm. likely to be a little out there. And all those things are, turns out, things that make them addicted you know, have, and so you wonder if it's neurologically right. the, the tie or if it's behavior, the tie, or if they're more open to things or something. I don't know. It's interesting why creative people are more likely to be addicts than the normal population. It is. And I mean, I, I would love to have the sort of intellectual wherewithal to, to figure that out. I, I do. I mean, I, I think, uh, 
I think there's a lot of, um, you know, those commonalities that it, it feels like they're exploring them as coming to the forefront, um, particularly right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it feels like Robin Williams has yeah, sort I mean, of been a trigger. And well, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. Hoffman. And yeah. um, well, I just read something today that I had forgotten, which is crazy. And I feel, you know, Heath Ledger um, yep. had some of similar issues. But, you know, yep. lots of, you're right, creatives. And uh, I was just reading something today by uh, Richard Tate, who's, what is he? He's the founder of, oh, Cliffside. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, just talking, the, the title was, we are, we're having the wrong conversation about Robin Williams and discussing sort of what we're talking about here yeah. now, uh, um, but, but how the notions of, of addiction and mm-hmm. depression mm-hmm. are explored as two distinct Thanks. issues Interesting. when, you know, in reality, they're, they're sort of both symptoms of one <laughs> one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That's not exactly his argument. So, yeah. uh, and again, as with everything I mentioned, I'll, I'll post a link so you so can. So, did you think he, he? It was more about the depression part. Is that what he was making for, for Robin Williams? Well, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that Tate comes to that conclusion specifically. Only that um, they need to be explored, sort of in mm-hmm. tandem, as, as you know, two two sides of the same coin. From you know everything I've heard, depression mm-hmm. was the driving yeah, yeah. force behind yeah. it. Um, yeah. You know, it seemed like he very much tried not to succumb to the yeah. addiction um, yeah. at the end there. Yeah, um, and this it's it's bipolar behavior. Which I'm not. Right. I know the term. Right. I think I know some bipolar people, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure yeah, exactly we, what that is. Yeah, we do. Just uh, like super manic on one end and super depressed on the other. That's that's my very basic understanding of it too me too um and i've known people who are Mm -hmm. and then that that's very simple definition has served me reasonably well in understanding what the hell's going on but um yeah it's it's you know it's no walk in the park yeah but i wonder it's funny getting back to that i wonder if it's the the reason people the reason creative people have more a likelihood of being addicts if it's what what about the way that we're creative and what about the way addicts behave that's the connection point or if there is no connection point or do you think writers or creatives are more vulnerable because they have to put their art out there or something just there's this inherent drive to put yourself out there that you have to drink or i don't know you know what i'm saying like is there a certain unprotected behavior fearlessness of being an artist or a creative that you have to somehow, it's it. You just need uh, some reliance on that. I don't know, or if there's a neurochemical high that you get from creating and drinking, or using drugs, that's the same. I just wonder what that connection point is. You know? Uh, yeah. It, I mean, there's probably any number of connection points. I think at different stages in your career as either yeah. an addict, an artist, or you know. A, depressive person mm-hmm. which I, I think all those three things very much have a, you know they they they've, they they meet at a point i think in both you and i mm-hmm. um but uh you know for me i think there was a point when i was an active addict where and i hesitate to say this but Part of it's probably youth, quite frankly, yeah. but, and, and, you know, m- many artists, their best work is done at a, you know, in their youth, right. probably their, their 20s, say. Yeah. Um, but 
and it's easy to sort of conflate that to confuse that maybe with I, I was like I was about to say my, my some of my best work was done when I was using. True, I was just going to ask you that. And I think you did great work when you were when you were using. Well, I mean, like when you look back on some of the shit you made. Yeah, there, there there's a distinct period in my life probably between you know 19 and I don't know, like 20 Five mm-hmm. when just everything you know, I was using in that not necessarily healthy, but it was that that phase where it was. Um, I guess you had the you had the youth to to maintain it and manage it right. in a way that you know right. my health wasn't failing and whatever. Yeah, but um, yeah, but and I was I, I feel like that's when I did like, my best actual art, which is something yeah. I sort of. Uh, you know, gave up and became, you know, true art in my eyes, you know, with a capital A. I'm not saying it was, it was great art. I'm saying it was my best art. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. No. Um, Did you uh, give that up at the same time you got sober? Are the two things totally not related? I don't think I gave it up. Yeah. No, but I, yeah. Different things. Yeah. You know, when I got sober, then I, I, you know, and, and take this for what you will, but you know, that's when I, I think I, entered into polite society and, yeah. um, you know, got a job, <laughs> you know, so I, was, I was earning, a I wasn't sitting around by myself, you know, <laughs> drunk in a room with, right. you know, smoking cigarettes and right. painting or yeah. drawing or yeah. writing, yeah. um, which is a, you know, it's a luxury of limited responsibility. I'll yeah. say, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I won't say it's a lack of responsibility. It's just when you limit your responsibility, it allows you, um, you know, opportunities to do other things. Opportunity might be the wrong word. I, I quit drinking in 92 yeah. and I started, uh, I had a two year weed relapse, mm-hmm. marijuana maintenance program from like 99 to 01. Yeah, I was there. Oh, you were? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's the way you did have a marijuana maintenance. And uh, I remember I was there. But, I rem- but the thing I, I think creatively, while marijuana isn't a long term solution for me, right. I think the, I think just that per, that particular drug allows you to recombine things you know in new and different ways, which is what creativity is all about. I think pot makes that easy sometimes. Sure. So I will say, just from a real, like, does it make you more creative? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it's tough to get there. I mean, I'll be honest with you. And again, I'm not suggesting the art itself is great. Yeah. But the other time, and this just jogged my memory, when you're talking about what helps creativity and these three things that converged, yep. depression, addiction, creativity, that the most recent time when I've felt particularly creative Mm -hmm. was during the Great Depression. The Great, right. So do you think depression, like that, that depressive energy, like art is creative in, created in pain, much of it, right? You know, there any number of people will agree with that. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I do feel like there are far fewer that will say, the opposite, yeah, but you can yeah. find plenty of artists. Whether I mean, you know, whether it be comedians or yeah. actors or yeah. you know, yeah. painters, poets. Yep. I mean, so I wonder if that's writers why they are prolific writers because they have this ability to to mine that mm-hmm. depression, and I wonder if that somehow that pain, that tr- that real, uh, it's you know. <laughs> It's where a lot of humor comes from. It's where a lot of great stories come from. Right. You, I wonder if that's why uh, writers are more likely to be alcoholics 
but but it starts with the alcoholism right. and they're more likely to be writers <laughs> you know maybe if the index is the other way you know what's interesting about that and there's another thing that it well hopefully we're talking to a bunch of people in recovery so they won't take too much offense at this but yeah. um one thing and i'll speak personally yeah when i look back at some of what i have done yeah creatively yeah either from a place of actively using and and to some degree in a say a depressive state or an overly dramatic state yeah i'll yeah, say yeah um it, i can look at it and, it and it feels immature right and i can even get that sometimes from some of the greats and i wish i had something in front of me but i mean i was reading something like charles bukowski said and you know celebrated as a, a, a great you know american treasure of a writer yeah and you know has done some phenomenal work yep or you know whatever so yeah good but yeah but and I can't even remember how I'm going to have to look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. But just something that he said, trying to sound cocky and this bravado. And I'm like, that just sounds incredibly immature and stupid. <laughs> you yeah. know, you don't sound like a great man. You sound like yeah. an ass and yeah. it just sounds immature. Was it so, something recent? Or was it something you well, said when he was a kid? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think he's got around to saying anything recent, is he? Oh, yeah. yeah no, know. I think he's gone. Yeah. No, it's just some old quote. Um, and it's also like, uh, who was it? Was it W.C. Fields? The, uh, I, I'd hate to be sober or, or not drink because when you wake up, that's the best you're going to feel all day. Just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't necessarily take offense to it, but it just sounds like stupid <laughs> to me now. Right. But when I was using, I'd be like, like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. go W.C. Um, that's funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I don't know. So that, that immaturity, you know, if we adhere to the notion that you know, I, I don't even know where it comes from or if it's been legitimized anywhere in uh, in my experience but that you stop emotionally maturing yeah right when you start actively yep. your active addiction yep. they hear yeah yep um, I think that's true and so it would make a lot of sense that all these um, creatives that are celebrated um, you know, it's often by other creatives, quite for, you know, the most celebrated by other creatives, yeah. um, you know, are a little bit less mature in some ways, quite frankly. Interesting. Um, right. And so when you look back on it, because I do, I'm, I'm, I find that the work created with this sense that um, you have to, um, you know, embrace your addictions and, you mm -hmm. know, you got to be the the drinking man and you got to be shooting smack in an alley and then that makes it true and yep, real yep. and yep. um you know gives it the grit of life yep. you know is somehow maybe you know it's an aspect of life but i don't necessarily know sometimes uh, i'll leave that point alone well it's funny i was thinking about that the, the other with something it was it was either uh it was either a rapper and his youth or, or something i can't remember how you get street cred when you don't have street cred and why you have to uh just in, in that exact way why you you can can't you know in some circles can't be a great writer if you didn't live this addictive right. crazy depressive manic point in your life with all this pain right. when they're and whether that's true or not whether like is that just bullshit kind of putting on trying to make you know do we just put that out there and say without that cred you yeah. can't you know which is silly in yeah. so many ways. Um, if if the work's good, you know, and people try to build these stories, artists all the time how to try to build these stories of where they came from and, oh, if you say this, say this, to have the cred, right. to have the cred, even though the work itself is with, without the cred. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good. And a lot of it is using. A lot of it is drinking. A lot of it is, you know, 
all that stuff. Hmm. It's interesting. And how did we get there? Oh, we got there. We were talking about words, right? Yeah. And then we're talking about that convergence of creativity, addiction. Yeah. I like that. Creativity, addiction, and depression. Yeah. And all that stuff. Does that, yeah. <laughs> does, that, does that a good writer creative make? There's the, what is it called? The, is it the 27 Club? Like all these rock stars who died at 27. Yep. yep. Loads. And they're all depressive or. Yep. But, but I wonder if like, so what is that? Is it that stunted youth that allows you to create? Is that open mind that allows you to create more? Is it that the pain? Is it the, I, I mean, I just wonder why. I don't know. It's interesting. Obviously, you know, drinking and drugs gives you a new perspective, gives mm-hmm. you a different perspective. Right. So I think in some ways that helps create early on. I think right. it works for a while. Yeah. I think it works for a while. And then just like everything else, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's funny because I think, lots of you're right in your youth you can do all that get away with it create and then at some point it stops working right Right. at some point 27 28 just freaking Mm -hmm. stops working (laughs) yeah it does it stops (laughs) and if it doesn't then yeah it stops one way or another i guess yeah oh yeah there's amy winehouse kurt cobain jimmy hendrix janis joplin jim morrison all died at 27 Mm -hmm. from some kind of some Mm -hmm. kind of using something right right. overdoses Mm -hmm. straight up yeah wasn't Mm -hmm. even like fell off something drunk those were proper (laughs) all of them were proper somethings yeah except for cobain who was a yeah he was was an addict yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. and i don't know how old he was like lane staley like right around that time yeah and i mean i think there's also there's the allure of darkness yeah you know both there's there's a huge audience for darkness even if you don't you know, live there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in all aspects, you know, yeah. the ed, you know, whether it be, you know, for some people in music, dark darkness is gangster rap, you yeah. know, yeah. and, and horror, you know, uh, what is it called? You know, like horror movies, you know, yeah, the, noir the, the, and the, horror and, yeah. or, you know, the saw movies, you know, that's yeah. darkness, but I'm just saying there's, yeah. there, there's, um, you know, definitely an audience for darkness and these people that live it. Yeah. Um, to some degree, and that's what quite frankly your addictions take you when you follow them all the way. Yeah. Before they, yeah. they get it, you. I, I was attracted to that for a while. Like, yeah, they saw that. Right? Oh, I've got it. The just, whole romantic oh, side of too. being dark. I and totally romanticized it. Totally. Yeah. That is funny. Yeah. I mean, it just to to a insulting degree. <laughs> Seriously, if, I, if, I, if I'm, I would, I'm, I'm trying to decide to if I want to. Insulting degree. Well, I'm trying to decide That's... if I want to say some of the stupid shit that I used to think no, about. No, how go dark. ahead. Throw it out there. Well, <laughs> there was a period, and this is just ridiculous, yeah. where I, I mean, just absurd, and I, I really, I apologize to anyone um, <laughs> who, who, currently... It, who currently suffers this because yeah. it's, it's not, it just doesn't make, make any sense, but I yeah. desperately wanted to be homeless. You know, I wanted to not wow. have the support I had. I wanted to, wow. I wanted to just be, um, you know, and, yeah, just thrown out on the street, just, out, out, just left to my own, yeah. you know, downward devices. Yeah. This yeah. is like, I don't know when I was like 19 or something. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, that sounded romantic. It's it did. Yeah. So, and you know, so I'd, I'd go out like in the shittiest parts of like, this is like in Seattle and like yeah. drink, share forties with street. That, that's a huge problem. Tons of, kids at 19 there's yeah. a huge problem and there's a huge problem there with, are people really with kids 
that are in that phase they're of their lives it. that um, think it's cool to be homeless. Well, there are people that don't yeah. and don't that, think it's cool. That, yeah, don't think it's cool, and that have to live. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. Um, <clears throat> You know, and certainly my, my sensitivities now are much more, you know, yeah. re- refined than they were at 19 and, and drunk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I romanticized that and, you know, walking around with, you know, dreadlocks, drinking 40s right. at, you know, one in the morning in an alley. Right. Um, because I don't know what, you know. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure there was a fire in the trash can, too. So. Right. Um, and I wonder, I think that kept me drinking for a while. I think that kept me using drugs for a while is the the thought that all my great heroes were drunks right and just being a writer right exactly and i think i think i romanticized that like and looking back on it now they're all dead exactly <laughs> and they're all dead early or yeah in yeah. <laughs> not the best of health or right right um yeah and it's funny or but i think that kept me drunk drinking for a couple more years sure truly that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, because that's right. just how it's done. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, yeah, it definitely kept me locked in. Like, here's, yeah, how it's done. I think I always think that topic of creativity. Uh, just reading that article today about how much likelier it is for artists and creative types to be addicts. I just, there's the correlation there, you know. And how I think we get seduced, and and I wonder if it's like, there's, I don't know. It's fucking weird. Is it the disease part? Is it, you know, the strip? And it's not that, you know, real estate people and, you know, insurance agents aren't going to be addicts at all. Well, and there's a different difference between career and. Yeah, who you are. And who you are. I mean, you're right. Be a creative real estate agent. It's the soul of who you are, I think. You're absolutely right. right. It has nothing to do with your profession. Um, Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, so I wonder what that, I just wonder what, if there's a, I guess, I just wonder if there's a type of person mm-hmm. who is just, I guess there is, more likely to be an addict. And I wonder if it's because of how they think. You know, I wonder if there's, if the addictive mind also has this creative thing to it, you know? And I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but it's interesting to think about when you're talking about that I, I wrote a post on my old blog and i'll have to pull up find another one pull it up but it was about um and again it was during this great depression of mine mm-hmm. and it was um it was talking about the you know as far as i understand it dopamine release uh-huh. i get from um, you know, art in all yeah. in a variety of forms. You know, yeah. I, I can get it from you know some music. You know, yeah. I, I, there are some songs I can listen to yeah. that they are. You know, it's almost a, a euphoric yep. sensation I get from yeah. listening to yeah. it. I mean, it's clearly. I mean, everything that we do think, say, feel comes from a chemical reaction going yeah. on in our brain. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not going to happen unless yeah. chemicals are firing and neurons are firing and all that. Music can do it. A mm-hmm. movie. You know, a movie can do it. A beautiful piece of art, whether it's classical or, mm-hmm. you know, computer generated mm-hmm. or, you know, a video game can mm-hmm. do it. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I think that's certainly part of the connection yeah. is that, um, appreciation. Well, that, that chemical yeah. appreciation yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. um, that's funny for, for sensation, you know, yeah, it's a sensory yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so if you get high like that, so to follow that through, if you get high like that by creating and you push yourself for that right. dopamine and then you try this easy thing right. with drugs and alcohol and it also gives you right. the same reaction, right? right? Yeah. 
I wonder if that's the connection that right. makes you more likely to use stupidly. To, I think to be it's in, all tied uh, in there. That's interesting. I mean, in the beauty of like being a creative, if mm -hmm. you get that release from what you're creating, yeah. you know, you can basically literally get high on your own supply kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, I can design some things that I'll absolutely love and yeah. I can just lose myself in, in yep. designing it because it, it feels good to look at it yeah. and do it. Yeah. There's definitely a connection there, and I'm sure that there are probably people listening <laughs> that know, of course, there is, yeah. you idiots. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's science. Well, yeah, and it's but, well, yeah. So it's like we all, all right. we all appreciate that. We all have to find healthy ways to do that. That's what recovery starts to teach you, right? All those healthy ways to get that same release, right? Right. Good eating, good sleeping, exercise. Um, you know, and still, still being more creative. I probably, you know, you just as you, I'm probably created more things thousands and thousands of more things sober than I ever did when I was drinking. Right. Although it was romantic to think I did. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that is interesting. Well, yeah, you know, so you, and it was this, this dopamine release, this, you know, everyone, so there's that chemical, that chemical thing in when you're in recovery. And I think that's the reason that, you know, you feel numb that first year it's because you don't have that thing that's going to give you the very natural dopamine release. And as humans, we get that pleasure naturally right. through lots of ways. Um, and I think you got to re reteach yourself how to get that, right? To really live a full life. And it's probably using drugs and alcohol. I think the reason it's attractive at the beginning is because it's so freaking easy. Right. 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 Eventually, you have to continue, use more and more and more and more and more. Take that little baby. And this doesn't work anymore. And then, yeah, and then it stops. And then it stops. Yeah, that's um, not fun anymore. But it's funny. Getting back to, do you have to suffer for your art? I think that was a funny question. I think that's an interesting, do you have to suffer, right? And it's so easy to suffer on drugs and alcohol. Um, and then it's lots of, you know, where people are from and poverty and gangster rap and all that. Do you, do, do you have to go through all of those things in order to create great art? Do you need the pain to, in order to create great art? I think that's, I don't know if that's a question for us, but it's an interesting one. If you think about get what gets judged great art, mm -hmm. I mean, it often is from, it just, it just feels like, I mean, it feels like the audience and the, the critique is, well, I could be wrong. I guess I'm, I, was, I was thinking of pop music is, is you're not necessarily considered the great art and it's those heavy, you know, yeah. it's Velvet Underground and yeah. and Nirvana. You know, right. they're, they're considered the they suffer. Yeah, right. And they certainly suffer. they had they had the dark side. And maybe it's the dark side, man. Maybe you mm -hmm. just have to. Yeah, it's funny. Well, so here's an interesting thing: your dark side in sobriety. You know what I'm saying? Your dark side, right, in sobriety. Well, I wonder what that looks like today. Like, well, do you still have a dark side? Like no. humor-wise, like I always think I still have a dark side. The things that I think are fun. Oh yeah, still I mean I've I've. <laughs> I have a right, yeah. I have a well, yeah, we know. I mean, what, yeah, what are, I used to have, uh, I don't think that ever goes away. Yeah, no, I, I no, I've definitely have a dark sense of humor, <laughs> right. Um, equal opportunity offenders, what I used right. to, yeah. So you can keep that, you can uh, keep that and be sober, right? <laughs> you know, I think life to some degree, I guess, it doesn't have to, um. Well, I don't know. I was going to say it, it, it mellows you, but I guess it doesn't always mellow you. No. Um, but did you have a fear when you first got sober? I remember having a fear that I was going to be boring or that life was going to yes, be really boring. I think 
right? my sense, you know, the more I spend time in the community uh, it's a big, online, it's a, fear, right? a lot of people are afraid that they won't be able to have fun yeah. and that they'll be boring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it was a huge fear. I th- for me, though, I think I, uh, I realized I didn't, you know, I, I, I'm not sure when I realized it, but I realized it didn't matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't think I, maybe I am. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. And a lot of the sales pitches that they give you, even to this day, don't sound as good as some of the crazy, funny sure. things I did when I was drinking. And they'll say, "Yeah, but now you remember it." And I'm like, "I I used to live. My it was so much fun to get see see how fucked up you could get. I mean, just to balls out partying. So sobriety is not that, and it won't ever replace that. But what I do think is towards the end of your using career it becomes so miserable that that's the part that sobriety will replace sure you cannot yeah i don't know if the highs feel truly in that sort of chemically enhanced right. highway and nothing's stopping you from being yeah who you want to be and you know doing what you want to do yeah. in recovery or oh, when yeah. you're sober yeah. you know is the, is the reality of it i mean there are things i've done and we talked about this before you know i couldn't have strung together 10 consecutive years of doing anything and doing what you know i did for particularly those early years of our time at at that agency we met at yeah you know those that was like dream job for me you know it's like yeah Yeah. um it was amazing getting paid to do what i love to do and with a bunch of like crazy you know yeah people doing the same thing it was just was amazing yeah and uh you know just you know i wouldn't I, there's no way I'd be in a you know <laughs> successful loving marriage with a daughter. Yep. Um, I wouldn't have you know uh, ended up some of the places I've gone since. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The hey, you get a whole life. You get a I mean, whole yeah, rich I full mean, life. Yeah. They're just. Even. It's not a. It's not even. Um, I don't know. It, it's not a. It's not apples and, and oranges. Yeah. It's not even a, f- a fair comparison way because one's just with you. one's killing you and one's not. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. So, and what about step six? Should we should we oh, just talk about yeah, step let's six? Yeah, talk about step six. Step six. So s- step six and seven are like the little. They are short in the book, um, and so a lot of people think, and they're kind of interesting. Uh, let me just get up my little thing here. Uh, so the step is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Um, HP. Yeah, HP. I have your higher power. And it says God in this. Um, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So the way that you take a sponsee through the steps is you would have done step four, which is a lot of work. You would have, We would have sat down and had a talk, long talk about um, your step five, which is your step five. You would have told me all the things. Hmm. Um, from your step four inventory, the, uh, going into the darkest places in your past and getting all of those things, bring them to the light so you can then get rid of them. Must, can I ask one thing about yeah, step five? Yeah. Like, do, do people bring things like that happen to them or is it just things you've done? Um, meaning, like it's not, and when I was, it's not, it's not about uh, like being... 
the victim of anything, right? That that, yeah, like, that traumatized you. I'm not suggesting even personally. I'm just asking in general. Like, it's things you've done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? It's not. This is things. It's yeah, not guess, things that have happened n- to you. No, but I think... I, no, I don't think... I think you can... Like, if you were a victim of child abuse. Right. If you're a victim of uh, child molestation, lots right. of stuff like that. I've had sponsees that have brought that to life. Okay. Like, in a step five. Okay. Things that weren't their fault. Right. But things that were... Super dark and reasons. They were they holding heard. them back and yep. they hadn't let it go yep. or something yep. yeah. or shared it or okay. And it was mostly a yeah a they if they'd shared it they hadn't ever let it go they'd never just dealt with that right. whole thing right yes so that those things coming up and lots of those kinds of things right. come in. Uh, and so how do you feel? I mean, as and and so how do you receive that? Because I mean, no offense, but you're not qualified to, as a as just a dude. As just a dude yeah. to deal with somebody's past yeah. trauma. I, yeah, I'm with you. And I and I don't think, I think if it's a, a thing that they need to go see therapy on, I think you'd encourage them to that. Okay. I think the purpose of this is to literally turn turn all of this over. Mm-hmm. To So six and seven, are, we're entirely ready to, to have God remove all these okay. defects of character. A willingness to give all of this stuff to God. And then uh, step seven, you actually give it all together. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a constant process. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, you know, we talk a lot about in recovery of taking your will back mm-hmm. and then turning it back over. So I think it it's it happens for the rest of your life. But those specific things, um, resentments against someone who molested you, can mm-hmm. you imagine? I mean, right. how hard that would be to get rid of, how much sure. anger you'd have right. for this. And yet... I think if you're going to stay sober, right. it's a, you got to start that process somewhere. Mm-hmm. you got to start the process somewhere of getting rid of that shit. Because right. right. all that's the recovery part. That's the recovery right. part. I watched my father. Uh, I got sober 15 years before my dad did. Okay. 15, And he's now probably got 10 years sobriety. Right. Maybe a little more. And um, I watched him. He basically was haunted by this moment in 1975 hmm. when somebody screwed him out of his family fortune hmm. and for 20 years i hmm. listened to this story of this <laughs> this moment and he could not let it go right. and it was why he drank in right. his mind interesting and every time we would talk about this while he was drunk he would reference this moment where he lost all this right. and somebody screwed him and whatever and that's the kind of shit addicts say to themselves right. of why they continue to drink perpetual right? victimhood perpetual right. victimhood and in some ways, you were real victims, and there's nothing to right. be but to get rid of that stuff, right? right? To, to truly be ready to have uh, God remove these things mm. from you. And so some of them are defects that you have. Right. Right? Um, some of them like are pointing back to that time that you're now blaming for your drinking, which has nothing to do with right. why you drink, right? right? <laughs> Three decades later. Right. Right. And, but some of that is some real shit. Absolutely. So, yeah. and, and it's a resentment against somebody. It's a resentment against these things. And some of those are super real and very justified. Yeah. But, you know, we talk a lot about how, and I was told this a lot in my recovery, is justifiable anger is the luxury of normal men. It is not a luxury of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Justifiable anger. I'm sure. Anger that you can justify. Um, so, re, like, anger that you that anybody else, you'd have a right to be angry. We got to get rid of that shit. Interesting. So, it's, it is, you can't hold on to any of that. Crap. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, that's, I guess, what six and seven are all about. So if you got any anger in you, Chris, boom, well, get rid of it. You know, I mean, I, I tried to work on that, you know, even just since I, uh, 
you know, started this whole clean and sober since right now Mm -hmm. project, you know, I I was telling uh, someone just the other day day that it's reset my, my notions of sort of empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, so when I find myself developing or, you know, resentment or even, you know, those temporary fleeting resentments or, or angers or, um, irritations, mm-hmm. um, at people or, or, or circumstances or, or whatever. Um, I'm much more aware again of, of what I'm doing and, and I am much oh. better able mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. to process it and stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, for, and I, I don't want to beat this dead horse listeners out there, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, towards the end of, of uh, my my marketing advertising career mm-hmm. so far yeah. um, with Jeff. Jeff right. saw me really just succumb to my resentments. Yep. Um, I think very, very, I mean, I succumb to them. I, yeah. I was, I was at their mercy. I was letting yeah. my resentments um, rule you rule me. They yeah. were, they were guiding my yeah. everything. And do you still have any of those? No, no, okay. no, no, no. So somewhere um, along the way you got, got help, got rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Let them go somehow. Yeah, I've been. It's it's been a process, you yeah. know. It's like I had to come out of that depression, handle yep. that, yep. and then um, once I got, you know, my my head past that, just get back to work on me. I just yeah. let it go, yeah. um, you know, and uh, and I'd let it go, and then you know, yeah. For me, you know, having a kid, I realized um, I'm not the center of the world, you know. So true. And uh, and you know. When you want to be sh- the best person you can be for someone else, yeah. um, then you really get to work. Um, not that I didn't want to be for my wife, but um, you know, it's it's uh, child's a little bit different. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, no. So I've sort of that's good. All right. Well, that's that's a, in essence step step six is sort of a way to look at everything you just. Look at it, step five, and sort of get it get it at this moment where you're entirely ready to let it go. And it's kind of your last chance to take a, a look at all this stuff and make sure that you're truly ready to let this stuff go. And in step seven, we'll actually let it all go. And how do you do oh, that? Next week. Um, no, no, okay, we next humble, week. That's fine. Yeah, that's next week. But, but so if I had been doing all this, I would have yep. done the fearless and for, searching for moral, moral inventory. Inventory. Yep. Um, written it all down. Yep. And I would have told you, told you all about it. Yeah, you said everything um, that you're you You high five me, said, cool, dude. Good job. And uh, Way to get all that out. And then t- t- in step, step six. Step six, we'd say, all right, the next, in step seven, we're going to get rid of all this stuff. Is there anything here, hmm. anything here you're not ready to get rid of? And it's a process of get, getting rid of stuff. And, and as you go through this, there's things that you didn't even know you were holding on to. And I think mm-hmm. it happens for the, for a long, long, long time. Just this crap we continue to hold on to and exert our will over and think that we are in charge of this stuff and continually we'll find out over time that we're not. But I think step six is this, this moment where you get, where you're willing, truly willing to let all that crap go. Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of it is shit that it was the very fiber of your being because you walk in with this person you created mm-hmm. of who you are and a lot of it's like my dad that this person my entire 25 year identity was this guy who got screwed over this thing and that's why he drinks mm-hmm. and now you got to get rid of that 
whole identity and just be willing to let all that go. So I think it's in some ways, there's a lot of you, who you were, who you walked in with, mm-hmm. who you walked into recovery with that you're going to get rid of. So it's a big, it's a big transformation. Yeah. So, and I suppose, so that's okay. And then, well, we don't even get to what, what's amends is like nine, right? Eight and nine. Yeah. Eight and nine. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Amends. Well, you know, we'll talk about those. Those are, fun. those are the fun ones those are fun those are action steps you're out there you're hitting the street I do feel like I had some half-assed notion of amends like pretty early on and uh, I remember I called a couple of people I remember getting like sort of you know some people just whatever you know mm-hmm. like I remember getting laughed at yeah. by people and stuff yeah. trying to say hey I'm not drinking anymore yeah are we cool are we, are we cool man right. <laughs> but uh, yeah are we wrapping our show? I think we may wrap this one. Um, and just tell people that. I'm going to start posting on Tuesday. I mentioned this in the last newsletter. Okay. Start posting on Tuesday so that we don't have this big lapse between recording and posting. Love it. Um, and I think that'll better set us up for taking callers. I don't know why I feel like uh, Tuesday night. Oh, well, then we'd have to, you'd have to forget it. I'm going to edit this live out. callers. Yeah. Oh. Can they call Monday? Oh, yeah. They can call Monday. Yeah. All right. I'll cut that. Okay. Okay, goodbye. Bye.